When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, patrons? Ben and Chad here once again as the CME's Patreon Power Hour rolls on for January 14th, 2022. Ben, we have been relying on the power rankings to carry us through these doldrums a lot lately, and we will do that again today. Uh, This weekend, you got the UFC Fight Night event, Giga Chikadze against Calvin Cater, obviously, in the main event. Not a ton of extenuating circumstances or compelling storylines in and around that card in addition to that main event, which we talked about during Monday's proper. So we're doing it again, brother. This week, we got the power rankings. We're letting them off the leash. It's always dangerous. But when our back is against the wall, sometimes we have no choice. Sometimes we got to let the pure power of the power rankings just run, just run free and see where we end up. Yeah, sometimes all you can do is throw open that dungeon door, let the beast roam free, let it howl its way into the night, and tell all the townspeople, best of luck, hope you make it to sunrise. Yeah. We're, That's what we're doing we're, here. We're letting the beast out, and we're locking the castle doors behind it so the plebes are on their own. You know what? The townsfolk. I think we'll all emerge stronger for the experience, those of us who survive. Those of us who survive will be... Some hard-bitten, forged in the fires of the power rankings, motherfuckers. It'll be, it's all gravy after the power rankings, after you survive the power rankings. Also sitting here with uh, some bets. I'm sitting here with some bets on my phone, oh, Chad Oh, yeah, the, uh, the return of uh, $20 we never want to see again after a brief respite. We're going to have, you and know now- what, not only do we have some bets, but we've got some exciting news to tell the people about... $20 we never want to see again. Should we do that now, or do you want to wait till, uh, till the middle of the show when we actually you know reveal the bets? No, I think we should let people in on it now. What we have decided to do, now that we're in a new year, new us, you know, instead of just sort of going week to week with the $20 we never want to see again, and just sort of kind of guessing how we're doing, we're going to take it to math to d- determine how we're actually panning out here. What, how much money out of the CME checking account are we losing? Or how much money do we have to blow <laughs> on just frivolous bullshit? Because we are going to keep track of how our bets are doing and just financially how we are doing as as sporting men, gentlemen of leisure, it's the, as it were. It's the first $20 we never wanted to see again of 2022. And so we decided, hey, if we're going to start keeping track, we might as well do it now. Because then we'll be able to look back and see how we did for the year. What a lot of people don't know is that, number one, you and I are both very good at math. Mm -hmm. Number two, one of our strengths, I would say, over the last decade of doing this show has been keeping track of shit over the long term. Yeah. So those are the two things we're good at. This is right in our wheelhouse. I can't wait. We're going to figure this out. I'm excited to see if it changes anyone's philosophies in terms of how they do their bets because now we will we will have a track record of how things are going in fairness even when we didn't have a track record we we cycled through a few different systems and anti-systems <laughs> it's not like there was a shortage of changing philosophies all of that was when, was preamble all that was all just warm up lead up to the main event which starts now yep now this fucker counts. Now it's for real. That's right. And maybe, I don't know. We don't know how this is going to go. Maybe we'll, by the end of the year or by the middle of the year or at some point during 2022, we will have some system whereby the beloved patrons of the co-main event can join in to $20 we never want to see again, plunk down some of their own money and, I don't know, play with, play against each other, play with us. Who knows? The uh, Possibilities are limitless. 
here on the Power Hour. That's why we do it. That's why we do the damn thing every week. Yeah, I'm excited about it. And also, I assume this will be when I finally realize that you've been embezzling money from the CME for years. Because I'll, I'll look at it and be like, wait, you're telling me Chad lost $20,000? Mm-hmm. That doesn't add up. Yeah. You're always like, where, where did he get these hot new cars? What's he doing flying around in the PJs, in the private jets? How do you get that money? Now you're going to figure it out. Come to think of it, I don't like this. Cancel it. We're not doing this. Be like, you know, I did think it was ostentatious the way he was twirling that diamond-studded cane. <laughs> yeah, I've changed my mind. We're not keeping track of this after all. We're actually <laughs> pull the plug on that idea. All right. Well, hey, don't let me forget. We're gonna do uh, we're gonna do our bets about the middle of the show, and uh, to that end, we got twelve items this week in the power rankings. So maybe around number six. If it seems like I've lost control and I'm just wheeling through the power rankings holding on for dear life let me know don't let me forget to do these because uh I got some some bets that I'm excited to talk about I'll anyway let you know. 12 items in the power rankings this week and speaking of holding you accountable speaking of having a record and checking the record bud number 12 this week Ben they are putting this one right in your face UFC 272 main event. Now, Colby Covington versus Jorge Masvidal. We had just talked on a show. I don't remember if it was last week or if it was on the proper about UFC 272. And I was like, Ben, do you think they need to add another fight on here? Do you think they need to put another fight on UFC 272? And you were like, no, 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 they don't need to add another fight. You know, we got the title fight. We got the bantam weights. We're doing that stuff. They don't need to add another fight. No sooner had we published that episode. The ink wasn't even dry on the latest episode of the CME. The UFC matchmakers just give you the face palm right in your face. Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal. Now the non-title main event of UFC 272 on March 5th at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. I'm going to be perfectly frank, man. I don't know how you come back from this one. You know what? This this is a sad moment what you're trying to do here. This is a desperate a desperate reach. You just you want to turn this somehow against me. Just put which it is right an odd in your choice. face. Right in your face. Like the, I gave you're, you the Heisman, the stiff arm right in your thing, face. One thing mischaracterizing my position, but also the card has changed significantly since we last spoke about it. Where we moved that whole bantamweight situation off of here. Uh, no one can seem to agree why we've done that. It's, maybe Aljo's saying it's because Peter Yan isn't vaccinated. Peter Yan's saying I'm vaccinated. I'm going to beat that ass. Who knows what's going on there. But anyway, we get Colby Covington versus Jorge Masvidal. You're right though. Non-title main event. We're not putting any gold on this here poster. Do you feel like the the heat... The rivalry, the feud, the friends become enemies blood feud between Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal is enough to carry this thing? Frankly, no. Uh, I, maybe I don't have my finger on the pulse of the, you know, the general populace, the 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 casual ass pay-per-view buy-in public come come early March, UFC 272. I don't, I'm looking at this thing. I'm like, man, who pays $75 to watch Colby Covington fight Jorge Masvidal? They just raised the price. It's like they did this within a couple weeks of each other. Raised the price, and then immediately they were like, oh, and by the way, UFC 272, no titles on the line. Just going to have a quote-unquote grudge match between Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal. Uh, how does that strike you? Our guy Rusty, longtime listener of the co-main event, got to give him his props, immediately hit us up on Twitter to be like, who pays $75 to watch Colby Covington fight Jorge Masvidal? And my answer is, I don't know. I don't know who will. Somebody will. Well, right now because, you, only got, mean, you only got two damn fights uh, official for the card. You got Colby Covington versus Masvidal, and then you got Jessica I uh, versus Mano Furio. Nailed it. Uh, you, got, you got several fights rumored including bryce mitchell and edson barbosa kevin holland and alex Oliveira, uh jalen turner and jamie malarkey tim elliott also on this card uh but right now all that's official colby covenant versus jorge masvidal and jessica i versus mano F- how, how do i say his last name fiero fiero french sure. i ain't here for the uh, french pronunciation i mean you go to the 75 dollars and you hit us up with big fran versus cyril gone okay you know what 
you kind of got us there. Mm-hmm. But then you come back with this one, and I don't know if you do got us, <laughs> especially because I, I mean you're selling to me basically grudge match. That's the appeal here because neither one of them is really particularly close to title contention at this point. It's just about these two guys hate each other and they used to like each other and now they're going to fight each other. But also stylistically, you got to think if this goes Colby Covington's way, it might be five rounds of just the same shit over and over again. I don't know if it exactly seems like a banger. And it also seems like the kind that I could see a lot of people being like, "Mm, I'll catch up with a stream. I'll catch up with something later on afterwards. Uh, I don't know if I need to pay $75 and be in my seat all night long for what you're offering so far. Yeah. Uh, both guys have a couple things in common here. First thing in common, neither has won a fight in a minute. Not in a minute. Colby Covington's last win, Tyron Woodley, the the last fight, I believe, of Tyron Woodley's UFC career, the exodus of Tyron Woodley back in 2020. Jorge Masvidal hasn't won a fight since he fought Nate Diaz for the what is referred to as the symbolic BMF championship on his Wikipedia page. That was November of 2019. The other thing that these guys both have in common, they've both lost twice to the champ, Kamaru Usman. So uh, to me, like, and obviously Colby's a big favorite here. He's like a two to one favorite or something like that. A little bit more than two to one favorite, I think, to win this fight, which stylistically I think makes sense. But isn't this, doesn't it seem like kind of a big one for Masvidal? Like, he's lost two in a row, but both to the champ. He beat Nate Diaz back in 2019. It's not like Nate Diaz is right in the thick of any relevant conversations in this this weight class. If Jorge Masvidal, to use a phrase that we use frequently on this podcast, is going to go on being Jorge Masvidal, does he need to win this one against Colby Covington? Yes, especially because it's against Colby Covington. It's it's hard to keep being the, you know, swaggering Scarface dude if you get beat by Colby Covington everybody sees it. Or nobody sees it because they weren't going to pay 75 bucks for it. Number 11 this week, uh, Ben. So here's what we did. We went ahead and moved these title fights that were originally slated for this card to UFC 273, which is April the 9th. So that is where you're going to get... All Jermaine Sterling versus Peter Yawn, we think, so far. Uh, and also, we've we've confirmed now, it's been uh, approved that Alexander Volkanovsky will, in fact, defend the UFC featherweight championship against the Korean zombie, Chan Sung Jung. Uh, so that's going down. That right now is slated for the main event of UFC 273. So, you know, I was, I was having a little fun at your expense earlier, but I will say mm-hmm. they did move these title fights to UFC 273. So you got that going for you still. I'm just going to say this once. Billy, if you're listening, don't fuck this up, man. Oh, man. Really? We're still on Billy? You keep your paws off this one, Billy. You know what I mean. Wow. Don't you do this shit again. A stern reprieve for Billy. Let's learn from our mistakes. Well, I hope Billy's not a patron. I hope he's not I hope he's not listening to this right now. Because it's very few times in the history of this show has your animosity for a listener been so apparent Billy, just wearing it billy. on your sleeve billy look at me billy <laughs> don't do it wow okay uh number 10 this week ben training camp did not get off to a great start for marlon marice uh so marice he's supposed to fight uh march 12th he's gonna fight song yadong he decided man I'll, I'll go over there to thailand I'll do some training over at Tiger Muay Thai. What could go wrong with a trip to Thailand right now in the world? You know, look around. I can't see anything uh, over the course of world events that might make me feel like maybe going to Thailand wouldn't be a great idea right now. So uh, Marlon Marais goes over there to Thailand, flies over, gets off the plane. You know, they make you take the test when you get there. They make you take the COVID test, find out if you got the COVIDs. Uh, he tests positive upon arrival in Thailand. Next thing you know, and Marlon Marais says, not a lot of people around him on the ground in Thailand speak in English at this deal. Uh, they whisk him away in an ambulance and they take him to 
wherever it is that they that they hold the people that have COVID in Thailand, a hotel or whatever it is, he describes it as being locked in a small room. Okay, and, what I'm picturing right now is he's like a young Vito Corleone in The Godfather 2 when he arrives at Ellis Island and is quarantined for whatever, tuberculosis or whatever it is. I imagine him sitting there looking out the window uh, at the Statue of Liberty or whatever the equivalent in Thailand is and singing a high-pitched, lonely, wailing song. It's different than a normal hospital, he says. You have to stay in this small room forever. You can't leave the room. You can't go anywhere. You get three meals a day, one at 8 a.m., one at noon, one at 5 p.m. Finally, after a few days, I started to get a little sick. I started to have fever and body pains, a lot of pain in my back. Marais uh, goes on to say he couldn't get the couldn't get the food that he wanted, weren't giving him enough water. He finally uh, got some medical attention, got on an IV and started to feel better. He says it was crazy, crazy, crazy. That's three times crazy from Marlon mm-hmm. Marais after having to spend 11 days in quarantine upon arrival in Thailand when he's over there trying to get his fight camp started, man. You know what's worse than getting COVID is getting COVID and then having to suffer through it while you're essentially in jail in a foreign country. Yeah. Three hots That's and a cop. Great. That's what they gave Marlon Moraes. <laughs> I should know. And then this is from the MMA junkie story over there by uh, John Morgan. And then after that, you go, all right, time to start fight camp. Here yeah. we go. Oh, are you ready? You ready to go, Marlon? Got the COVIDs had to had to be in uh, in Thailand's version of uh, quarantine jail for eleven days. You ready to go? You ready to get this started? Now you hear that your opponent had to begin his training camp in a foreign quarantine jail. Are you going? All right, he's his whole thing has been disrupted. This is to my advantage. Are you going? Like, oh, shit, he's he's been through the fire now. He's hard as a coffin nail. What am well, I going to do? I mean, you don't you don't want to go into a fight thinking Marlon Moraes isn't going to be there giving his best. I think that would be a mistake. At the same time, I don't know if you can take too many positives from this if you're Marlon Moraes. I don't know he's going to be out here being like, well, I passed that test. Now I am, you know, a hard man, harder than I was before. And now I'm ready to kick some ass out of giving out of getting out of quarantine. Like, I don't think that there's any upside to be had here for Marlon Moraes. Uh, but if you're his opponent, you know, you, you probably don't want to take too much for granted. Guy's still a pretty good fighter. But also this puts him in a situation where he's going to fight, what, like basically two months after having COVID? Marlon Marais has had a bit of a tough road here, man. He had COVID once before and he got vaccinated. So Jesus. he's 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 kind of been around the block. He's 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 been there, done that with COVID a couple times now. And at this point, it seems to have disrupted his training camp. So uh, the best best wishes to him in his fight against Song Yadong. Yeah. Number nine this week, Ben. Leon Edwards now has Dana White's 100 percent guarantee that he is going to fight Kamaru Usman next. So that's all settled then. Yeah. Dana White Mm -hmm. says that kid's had a rough run and he deserves it. Talking to TSN's Aaron Bronstetter here. If you look at it, Colby lost to Usman twice. Gilbert's lost. Leon's next. He's number three. So the stamp of approval for the boss who says 100% Leon Edwards is next in line for Kamaru Usman. Would you feel better if Dana White didn't say that at this point? Like, him saying it's 100%, you got to kind of be like, is this like a real 100% or is this like a Dana White 100%? Yeah, see, that's the thing. I, I in hearing this, I was like, is it my, my Dana White skepticism or is it my MMA skepticism that the more you tell me that this is absolutely unshakably incontrovertibly going to happen, the more I start to go, wait a minute. I feel like I've heard this before. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you had said like, you know, hey, yeah, he he deserves it. He's going to get that shot. I feel like I'd feel better about that than being like 100%. (laughs) He's next. Yeah. Yeah. Because Dana White calculates probability differently than the rest of us. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Uh, you, You could imagine, though, a scenario 
somebody wins a big fight, something like that. Especially, God help Leon Edwards if he's not ready to go on whatever the exact date is that the UFC wants that fight. No matter what kind of notice they give him, no matter what the situation around him is. If he if he tries to move that fight by 15 minutes in either direction, they will ditch his ass yeah. and use that as the excuse. Leon Edwards you know better that. be prepared to break out of a Thai COVID jail <laughs> and cross the ocean on a freight liner in order to make it to Las Vegas to, to have that fight, if that's when the UFC wants to have it. Absolutely, because you know how that'll go. You could also know, though, somebody could win a big fight, have a big moment, something like that, and then Dana White will be like, well, hey, you know, we said that before, but this guy, this other guy, he's blazing up the ranks, and what can we do? Yeah, Usman wanted it. Yeah. Usman called me, said he wanted Kamzat, so here we go. Number wants eight. Kamzat in Russia. Number eight. <laughs> he wants Kamzat in Russia. Number eight this week, Ben. Jake Paul to PFL is a real possibility. Guy who runs PFL says. <laughs> now, see, this is uh, Simon Samano and Johnny Morgan over there at MMA Junkie. God love them. Uh, respect their work, obviously. Here's the headline over there on MMA Junkie. Jake Paul to PFL is a serious possibility. CEO Peter Murray peels back the curtain on why. So that's interesting, right? You click that baby, and I get on there. Here's the quote from Peter Murray. Hey, listen, you know, if any major athlete is considering and wants to get into MMA, of course the PFL is in the conversation. What the PFL is about is offering fighters opportunities and fans access to great events. Jake has certainly got a large global following. He's got a strong point of view. He's a real he athlete. He does. He does have a strong point of view. And he's established himself in boxing. And you know, if he's looking at MMA as the next opportunity in parallel, perhaps with boxing, of course we're going to have that conversation. So this is like if I were on some radio show and they're like, hey, you know, would you date uh, Scarlett Johansson? And I'd be like, hey, obviously, if Scarlett Johansson was single and I'm single, I'd, I'd like to be in the conversation. I think I bring a lot to the table. She's got a strong point of view, obviously. <laughs> uh, and, and I also have strong points of view. So, yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely be interested in having that conversation. And then you go to turn around and run a story. Scarlett Johansson and Ben Folks, a real possibility to get married. Ben Folks peels back the curtain on why. Yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, come on, is what I have to say about this. I I like your Scarlett Johansson analogy, but this is like if you regularly appeared on a podcast that had a recurring uh, feature called just saying stuff. (laughs) Because that's what CEO Peter Murray is doing here. He's just saying stuff. Hey, listen, you know, that's how he starts his quote. Like, we're just spitballing here. If any major athlete is considering and wants to get into MMA, of course PFL is in the conversation. Meanwhile, every major athlete in the world is like, what? what is PFL exactly? <laughs> What's that again? I mean, he's essentially saying, look, if you're going to fight in MMA, chances are you're probably going to fight in an MMA promotion. And you know what? We are an MMA promotion. Therefore, we're in the conversation. If you're looking for an MMA promoter, PFL, definitely one of those. Number seven this week, Ben. Hey, speaking of Dana White guarantees, he says fans in the UK should hang in there. According to this story over on MMA Junkie, uh, Ben, UFC is looking at uh, a show over there in London. I think in March we're talking about here. March 19th. They got a a fight night. this year? A fight night card. The rumored date for the UFC's London Fight Night event is March 19th. And while White didn't confirm the card is official, he assured fans that the UK is definitely part of the company's plans without mentioning a specific date for a return. This is a Farah Hanoun's story, also on the MMA Junkie. We will be coming to London, White told BT Sport. We're going to figure London out. Uh, we will come to London and we've got some big things coming to the UK over the next couple of years, so I'm really excited about it. 
So I want to say thanks to all the fans. Oh, that's a first. Uh, they've hung in there for a long time while we scrapped and battled and tried to figure out how to deliver it to you guys out there. And we've got some good shit happening. So I'm excited. So you're going to come back to London. They've really hung in there. And we're going to bring them a fight night event? March 19th. We're going to bring them JSF? Hey, they're going to figure it out. They're going to figure London out. Okay. I will be interested to see what you put on that card to see if you're actually showing them that, like, hey, we want to give you something special. Well, Because I don't know, man. Like the UFC fight night lineup for March 19th currently includes Francisco Figueredo versus Jake Hadley, Luana Carolina versus Molly McCann, Cody Durden versus Muhammad Mokayev, Makwan Amir Khani versus Mike Grundy, Jack Shore, Jack Shore, excuse me, versus Tamir Valiev, and Shamil Abdurakimov versus Tom Aspinall. So you got oh, some, there you go. You got some that's fan the, faves. That's a people's main event. You got Molly get, McCann. Get, you got Tom Aspinall. You got uh, mm-hmm. Makwan Amir Khani on here. So uh, you know, some there's some people, some people's fights on there. There are some people's fights. I cannot say that you're wrong about that. Number six. Wait, hold one. on. We're about we're about halfway through here. Maybe this is a good time to pause. You want to do Talk it about... now or do you want to do it after number six? Okay, we'll do it after number six. Number six this week. The Cheyenne of Lismas story hasn't gotten any less weird or less cringe since the last time we talked about it. Ben, I'm sure you've seen the developments in this story because they have been hard to miss if you are on the internet. Uh, as we said the last time we talked about this, the UFC's Cheyenne Vlismus uh, did an interview, I believe, with Mike Heck over there at MMA Fighting, where she said basically she was in hiding. She was in a in a secret location. She implied she was out of the country. She said that people in high places had warned her not to fight, which I assume means president of the United States. Uh, mm-hmm. she said she needed to get some things quote unquote finalized before she could fight again. She said the reasons why she couldn't fight were quote beyond belief. So when that story comes out, JP Bays, the, uh, estranged husband, I guess you would say of Cheyenne Vlismus jumps on the Twitter machine. He goes at MMA fighting says hiding from what in a country, no one knows where she's at. Everyone knows she has been in Batumi, Georgia with Roman, (laughs) the same guy she has been having an affair with behind my back whilst this is a new sentence while still married. So that was awkward. Um, I mean, could we take a second to pause and say that the man is going to be like, oh, she's talking about she's in hiding and doesn't want anybody to know where she's at. I'm going to tell you the city and the country where she is and who she's with. I guess we're not like, man, if you ever have to enter the witness protection program and you're just like trying to let, let a cl- couple close friends know where you're headed before you, you piece up out, don't tell JP buys. <laughs> don't be like, Hey man, just between you and me, I'm going to be in San Antonio, Texas. Don't tell nobody though. <laughs> it's important. Don't do that. Hey, why are you opening your phone right now? <laughs> I mean, first of all, don't you got to take the word of the estranged husband with a grain of salt, right? All this stuff about uh, Roman, the same guy she has been having an affair with behind my back while still married. Is it still an affair when she changes her last name? Like, uh, maybe they're still technically married, but she's not running around here being Cheyenne Bays anymore. She's out here being Cheyenne Vlismus, and so... Uh, I don't know, JP. It's not looking great for the future of your union. I don't think. I'm not sure that I would consider that an affair. I think you've been dumped, my guy. Here's what I'll say about all aspects of this story. It brings out the worst of the MMA culture. Because, really, this shit don't really have anything to do with the the sport that we're talking about. And it's just the situation, like, we are one of these few sports where the the men's and the women's divisions are right there, kind of the, you know, men's fight, then women's fight, back and forth. It's very often the case that women pro athletes in this sport are 
in relationships with or at times married to male athletes or male coaches in this sport uh, or female athletes in, in this sport, there's, there's just a lot of, you know, interaction going on between fighters in that sense. And then when some drama pops off between them, some drama that is just purely personal business, we get a just a little whiff of it. Oh, there it is. We're on the case now. We can't let it go. We got to hear every side of the fucking story from everybody. We, we love the drama about it. We're running up story after story about this shit. But really, it's, you know, these people were in a marriage. Now they're not. And uh, I, we just can't let that shit be, though. Like, we, we have to jump all over that shit. And really, you know, that, that's their personal shit. And every time I see a headline about it now, I'm just like, oh, God, more of this? There's more? Please don't let there be more. I don't want there to be any more. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're echoing the words of Cheyenne Vlismas as she fires back here at JP Bays. She says, if there's anything I would like to say, it's for one, I never cheated on my husband, nor would I ever cheat on someone. The fact that I have put my business out here is just mind-blowing to me. I will not But be, she did it. Yeah, no, she did. She did. I will not be saying my side of the story as the relationship I had was my relationship and it was not a good relationship. We only married for a visa, and unfortunately things were not how it seemed on media. Things happened this past year that is the reason things ended, and it was for good reasons to end. As for what I do after leaving him is also my business. I will not stoop down to the level and bash someone's name as much as I want to. She's also not happy with Mike Heck. As much as I want to. She says, as far as I'm in hiding, Mike Heck, I'm not sure as to why you made that your headline. All I said was I didn't tell people where I was. I'm not hiding anything about me, just the country I was in. Uh, well, wait a minute. She basically... Gotta... And then, she, then at the last thing, she says... Essentially, JP Bays, take me off your IG bio, sign my divorce papers, and don't take my money and my bonus money that I shed my own blood for and leave me alone and let me move on so I can go back to earning money. I mean, we we going to blame the damn old media taking you out of context again? Is that is that what we're going to do here? I mean, it kind of sounds like maybe you shouldn't have been doing interviews. If, uh, if this was a thing that if like your whole life situation (laughs) was not something you wanted to talk about and I don't even, does she even have a fight coming up? It sounds like she doesn't, right? She can't fight. So that's what she said. That's what like the whole thing she was saying in the interview was his quote from that initial interview. No one knows where I'm at and I'm actually keeping it that way. A lot of things happened before my fight and even after my fight. And I decided what's best is to just escape. I've been gone now for two weeks and I love it. I'm overseas and just living my life. Now, she might not use the actual word hiding, but that's kind of what she described there. Like, I've taken off. I'm not telling anybody where I have gone, where I am, and I like it that way. And then, I mean, yeah, like that is a, that's a salacious thing to drop in an interview. The people are, that's going to raise some eyebrows. People are going to be like, mm, what is that about? So it's natural that that becomes part of the focus there. And then you'll be like, I can't believe these people are like just writing down the shit I say and putting it on this website. Well, if you didn't want people to know that stuff, why are you saying that stuff to him? He's a reporter. That's the whole purpose of the interview. Like the business got out in the streets because you put the business in the streets. And then you're like, I can't believe I put my business in the streets. I know. I can't believe it either. There you are. It's mind blowing to her. Just probably shouldn't be doing the media. All right, okay, enough of that. Let's let's get to some real business here, some serious goddamn business. Some shit and that's that, going to go on the official permanent record. That's right. Once these bets are made, we will never be rid of them. $20 we never want to see again. Now, we're going to keep track of where we're at financially throughout the year. And we're also going to keep track of overall wins and losses on bets. So just be prepared to do all that stuff. Here we go. $20 we never want to see again. UFC fight night. This is a UFC on ESPN card. ESPN on ESPN 32, as we have said numerous times. Headlined by Calvin Cater versus Giga Chikadze. 
How many bets you got? Let's start there. How many bets did you make, Ben? I got four. I also have four bets. And let me tell you something. It was kind of a struggle to come up with four on this one. But because, for one thing, just the lineup has kind of gotten decimated. Yeah. You know, we I think we're down to, what, ten fights? Yeah, that could and, be. And not all of them feature exactly capital G guys or girls. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, you kind of have to pick and choose and be like, okay, I've heard of this person. Maybe I could put some money on them. I got four parlays. What the fuck are you doing? Are you kidding me? Kicking in the door, man. I'm starting this thing off with a bang. What do you think about that? I think about now my scenario I outlined earlier about how this is all an embezzlement plot start to seem (laughs) a lot more realistic. Parlay the number, the first. Parlay number one. You know, I like to name my parlays. You know, I like to have a theme. Yeah. This parlay is called Biggest Favorites on the Card (laughs) Plus One Underdog. I mean, uh, rolls right off the tongue, you know? Biggest favorites on the card plus one underdog. So I'm going to go ahead, Ben Folks, and take a TJ Brown to beat late replacement Charles Rosa, who just came in a couple days ago, I believe. I'm going to go ahead and take, oh, TJ Brown, by the way, minus 333. I'm going to take Brian Kelleher to defeat Kevin Kroom. Brian Kelleher. Minus 400. We should note we're Kevin still... Kevin Kroom, also a late replacement, but yeah. We should note we're still using the bullshit uh, odds over there at the Montana Sports Betting app because that's yeah. the only place we can legally place our bets. And I, and then, the, so those are my, those are the biggest favorites on the card. And then I'm going to take underdog Jamie Pickett to defeat no Wikipedia page have an ass Joseph Holmes in their middleweight fight. Jamie Pickett is plus 100. You parlay those three fights together. You get plus two twenty five, five dollar bet pays out sixteen twenty five. Okay, so I just want to understand something here, though. Uh, you, you go and you look at this situation where you go, all right. Here's a, a fighter who doesn't have a Wikipedia page, who I presume you don't know a whole lot about. He is a favorite. I didn't even know his name before I just read it off the screen. Joseph Holmes. He's the favorite in this fight. He's the favorite. Slight favorite. Jamie Pickett is plus 100, so it's not like he's a huge underdog. Okay. But also, you've kind of admitted that you don't know anything about these people. I don't know anything about any of these guys, man. <laughs> Come on. These are, these, the odds these makers are, are telling you that they at least think they know something about it. These are three going, fights mm-hmm. on the prelims of a fight night card in the middle of January headlined by Calvin Cater and Giga Chikadze. I don't know who these people are. <laughs> the only people I've heard of in this whole situation is fucking Charles Rosa and Kevin Kroom, and I picked against both of them. <laughs> All right, what, what did you lay down on this? What are your... Five dollars. The payout. Collect. Sixteen twenty-five. Okay. So when I hit that, you can expect a call from my attorney. Yeah. And I will have a talk with your attorney about how your methods are unsound. (laughs) And you won't keep getting lucky forever. Yeah. Okay. What's your first first bet there, Big Shot? I'm I'm going to bring us back to sober-minded realities. And I'm going to start us off. I'm going to ease into this pool like an old lady going into water aerobics. Just one toe at a time, now that we're actually keeping track of this shit in 2022. I'm just going to put five bucks down straight on Giga Chikadze to win. Minus 333 odds. All threes, that's got to be lucky, right? Potential $5 bet for a potential return of $6.50. That's a cool buck 50 I stand to make, my man. See, this is typical of you. I knew that as soon as we said, let's let's put it on the record, let's put it on the permanent record, the big old grapefruits that you had swinging around last year <laughs> would suddenly be absent, and all of a sudden you're, you're, you're out here taking the small bites approach. Hey, I'm not, that's just my first bet. I'm just warming up, man. 
That's all I'm doing. That's tell, just me tell, bending over and touching my toes. So you're taking Giga, Giga, Giga Chikadze to win straight up. Did you put five bucks down? Is that what you said? Five bucks. And you're going to win a dollar? A dollar fifty. Yep. Does that even really seem worth it? I will remind you, we are counting not only money made, but bets won. Okay. All right. I guess that's I guess that's See, uh, both the Senate and the House approach. If you're, I'm over here, Bobby Heenan style, just tapping my temple right now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my second bet is called the Nailed It Parlay. All right. You can go ahead and give me Slava Borshev. Nailed it. He is fighting. See where are you at, Slava? Where are you at, Slava? Vodka Slava. Fighting Borshev, Dakota Bush. Dakota Bush. Uh, you can give me Slava. You can give me uh, Jordanson Brito. Nailed it. He's fighting Bill Ale- Alegio. And you can also give me Ramiz Bramish- Bra- Bramaj. Nailed it. Okay. He's I see fighting, what you're doing with this parlay here. He's fighting our guy, Court McGee. Those three guys parlayed together. Play, pay, uh, gives you plus 292. $5 bet pays out. $19.62. So the conversation about this one that I will be having with your attorney is about how you put together a parlay all based on how difficult it, you felt it was to pronounce those people's names. That's correct. You do know we're, that this shit counts this time, right? You know we're keeping track. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, well, here's what I'm going to go ahead and do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you about my parlay. I only got one because I just decided to just go ahead and pick a smart one, you know, and uh, not do all this other bullshit. Give me the homie Giga Chikadze. Mm-hmm. Give me Brandon Royval okay. to beat Rogeri, Rogerio Bontorin. Give me the fight between Court McGee and Ramiz Brahimaj going the distance. All right. That's three fights. I mean, either guy can win that. I don't care. As long as that shit goes the distance. I got it. Three fights plus 191 odds. $5 gets me a potential return of $14.53. All right. Now you're starting to make bets. Now you're now you're placing some wagers out here. Yep. That's what I'm doing. My next, name of the game. My next parlay is called the big guy, little guy parlay. <laughs> You can go ahead and give me Jake Collier to beat Chase Sherman in the heavyweight fight of the night. And you can give me Brandon Royville to beat Rogerio Brontorin in the flyweight fight. Big guy, little guy. Plus 133, $5 bet pays out $11.67. I would like to secure a commitment from you right now. Let's say you hit all these parlays. I mean, we might I, as well say that because I'm going to. If that does indeed happen, I want you to commit right here and now that 2022 will be the year of the parlay for you. <laughs> that you will bet nothing but parlays for the rest of the year. I mean, in the same way that 2011 or whatever was the year of the super fight in the UFC. <laughs> yes. I will confirm that. All right. My third bet. Give me Giga Chikadze by decision. Wow. This is like three bets on on Giga Chikadze. Look, I look at this card and I go, who do I actually know? I don't look at it and be like, whose name can't I pronounce? Who's a big guy? Who's a little guy? No. Uh I'm like, who do I fucking know? Giga Chikadze, I think he wins. But I think Calvin Cater's a tough guy to put away, man. So I'm going to say Giga by decision. Plus two twenty-five odds on that. Wow, five bucks gets me sixteen dollars and twenty-five cents. Okay, yeah, that's not too bad. That's not too bad. No, if you if you were to pick uh, Giga by TKO, I think it's like it was like minus one fifty or something. So, so they they think there's going to be a stoppage. They do, but they're they're underestimating the big C Calvin. I think. Okay, a dude's tough. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. Uh, my final bet is called the Sure Thing Parlay. You can give me uh, Caitlin Choo Choo Chukagian to win via decision. That gives me minus 141 odds. 
And you, you gotta can, pick her to, to break the record. Is yep, what you're saying. Picking her to break the record. And you can give me uh, Giga Chikadze also to win. That gives me plus 122 odds. $5 bet pays out $11.11. Now, I'm going to be perfectly frank with you. I felt a lot better about this being a sure thing before I found out you were making three bets on Giga Chikadze to win. Uh, you know, if you have, if just a tip for the people at home, if you're looking at a few different types of parlays and you have one of them, that is the sure thing parlay, Mm -hmm. maybe load up on that one. Maybe that's the one you want to put all your money on. I mean, it's a sure thing. You talk about this being a sure thing, but the, uh, the dominant philosophy right now, you don't know this because you don't do as much research as I do. The dominant (laughs) philosophy in sports betting at the moment is big guy, little guy parlay. That's everyone's doing it. Yeah. That's what they're all doing. All told, that's what all the, the high rollers are doing in Atlantic city. Yep. That's right. Well, I regret to inform you that you have just put yourself at odds with me and one of my bets, because my final bet will the fight between Caitlin Chukagian and Jennifer Maya go the distance. I say no. Wow. Okay. I say Caitlin Chukagian has heard your bullshit. All these people in the media talking about how she can't finish a fight, how she's going to set a record for being this fighter who just wins by decision all the time. Damn it. She's going to go out there and try to shut up all these fools and either will get a finish or will get herself finished in the process. I don't particularly care which, but I don't think that fight's going to decision. Five bucks plus 215 odds. Potential return of $15.75. Do you know when the last time Caitlin Chukagian won a fight with before the distance? I could tell you the next time. <laughs> it's going to be Saturday. Well, it'll be the first time in five motherfucking years because the last time she won a fight via stoppage was her KO of Stephanie Bragariak back at CFFC 57, March 19th, 2016. So she's due, is what you're telling me. Do you know the last time? Oh, shit. Jennifer Maya won via submission last year. No, two years ago, 2020. So, But that is uh, her only stoppage win since 2015. Look, I'll tell you what. I don't care. Caitlin Chukagian can go in there and get her first stoppage in five years. Jennifer Maya can get a stoppage based on Caitlin Chukagian trying so damn hard to prove that she can get a stoppage. Somebody could just tweak a goddamn knee and go down injured. I don't give a fuck. As long as we don't hear that horn to end round three, I'm cashing that shit. Give me my money. We $15.25. See. All right. Let's get back to the power rankings. Let's get back in this here now. Enough frivolity. Number five this week, Ben. Welcome, new capital G guy fan favorite, Sergey Spivak. He's going to go ahead and step in for the injured Alexi Olinik against Greg Hardy at UFC 270. Those guys will be fighting. Sergey Spivak, 13 and 3 overall. Greg Hardy, 7 and 4 overall. And uh, they're going to do the damn thing. On, naturally, since it's a Greg Hardy fight, on the main card. Of Francis Ngannou's title fight against Cyril Gaon. So what you're telling me is we all just became Sergei Spivak guys. Yeah, pretty big time Sergei Spivak guys. I'm looking at uh, John Morgan's story on MMA Junkie. And let me just say, if you check it out and you look at the uh, the, the accompanying photo of Sergei Spivak, uh, doesn't necessarily inspire a ton of confidence, but uh, I'm still with him. <laughs> What do you mean? He got that big ass bear tattooed on his chest. That's scary, right? He does have a big bear tattooed on his on his his chest. We've we've seen him do work before. He's a good fighter. He's just looking a little like a uh, like a standard MMA heavyweight there in the body. I guess is what I'm saying. I mean, maybe this is a, the good kind of test because at this point, you got to think everybody in the heavyweight division feels like the book is out on Greg Hardy. That you know the book what you got to do. Sucks. The book that the guy is dangerous for a first couple minutes, that he is a big, powerful guy, but that he will get tired. He has shit grappling. 
that you can probably just break him if you if you don't get knocked out and you stay in there and you keep it on him. And that you basically just have to not get knocked out in the first round. And then it's just a matter of like, can anybody do it? Or does it take a certain kind of athlete to do it? And that's what, maybe what we're going to find out. Speaking of which, number four this week, Ben, down to the last fight on his contract, Greg Hardy has some weird ideas about Greg Hardy's MMA career. This is him talking to BJPenn.com. I'm looking at the transcription here by Milan Ordonez on Bloody Elbow. My cards do big numbers. I'm always on big cards. I'm always entertaining the crap out of the crowds, Hardy told BJPenn.com. Yeah, that's why he's talking to BJPenn.com, right? This is, my last, numbers. this is my last contract fight, and they are putting me in there with Alexi. Well, not anymore. Uh, we aren't picking and choosing. We are fighting fighters and are making our way up. I've been fighting for my job since I got this. Nothing is guaranteed in the UFC. Nothing is guaranteed in the NFL. So it's my lane. I'm very comfortable in this lane. The last two fights I was fighting for my contract, I promise you. Uh, He goes on to say it's a business. The cool thing about me. Here's where Greg Hardy is going to tell us the cool thing about him. (laughs) I mean, whenever anybody says that the cool thing about me, I lean forward in my chair. (laughs) I'm, I'm listening now. The cool thing about me is I've always been on the business side. A lot of these guys have been fighting their whole life and they haven't done any business. They struggle with the thought of it, the mental of the business side. For me, if I win and he doesn't sign me again, he must mean Dana White, it's a thank you because this has been a hell of a show. My fans have loved it. You have loved it. I have a great time and we are moving on. I don't think I'll lose, but if I do and he doesn't bring me back, it's the same thing. It's a pleasure. He didn't have to let me in. He didn't have to let me shine and he did and we had a hell of a time. Um, it's been a hell of a ride, Ben. Okay, I just... The cool thing about me is I've been on the business side for so long. A lot of these guys have been fighting their whole life and haven't done any business. They struggled to thought of it, the mental of the business. The fuck are you talking about, man? The You're just saying guy. business over and over again. <laughs> You're saying business side. Uh, I mean, in, in Greg Hardy's defense there... The more exposure that I get to people who actually work in business, businessmans, uh, it does seem like they do that a lot. Just sort of talk about business. Talking about doing business. business. These other guys can't even handle thinking about the business. He's doing the business. Giving the business. Yeah, it was a hell of a ride, and he entertained the crap out of the fans, Ben. Yeah, when they were booing his ass during the walkouts <laughs> and then cheering every time he got knocked out. They were entertained. Oh, it's been a pleasure. I, I saw an arena full of people entertained when Tai Tuivasa put him to sleep. Man, those people were entertained like a motherfucker. Isn't the actual point of Greg Hardy's MMA career up to this point is that it hasn't been entertaining? Like, it just hasn't been any good, man. Like, he's just not a good fighter. It's not fun to watch. That's That's like the whole thing of it. It's only fun to watch when he loses. Number three this week. Fortunately, though, <laughs> done a fair amount of losing. Yeah. Number three this week. We would make a list of suspects who might want to throw Molotov cocktails at Conor McGregor's pub. But this show was only an hour long. Do you see this, Ben? Somebody yeah, tried yo, to I mean, throw. You know, I saw this. Somebody Petrol tried... bombs. Petrol bombs. Someone tried to throw Molotov cocktails at the Black Forge, the upscale pub that Conor McGregor owns over there in Ireland. And uh, no one was hurt. The business was was undamaged. So uh, they couldn't have been great petrol bombs. Yeah, I mean, how are you going to fuck that up? You go uh, in there with some petrol bombs and you can't even can't even damage the business? Who would want I mean, I'm not. Throw? I'm not, like, looking for the business to get damaged. I don't want people to get hurt. But if you're going to do that, like, it seems like you could fuck around on accident with a petrol bomb and damage some businesses. Have who would want to throw Molotov cocktails at Conor McGregor's pub, man? Well, <laughs> what did Conor McGregor well. ever do to anyone? <laughs> um, I mean, I kind of feel bad for the old man he punched. I hope uh, it was him. I hope it was the old man he punched <laughs> who came back with a fucking petrol bomb, man. I hope so. I hope it was him. Because whether he did it or not, you got to think he's going to be a person of interest. <laughs> the police are going to want to know where he was that evening, right? You know what I bet he's doing? I bet he's taking that shot now. 
He found out about the <laughs> petrol bombs. I bet he was like, give me a drink. Let's have a celebratory drink. Can you imagine Conor McGregor sitting down with the police and then like, can you think of anybody who would want to do this? Like, well, there's that old guy I punched. Uh, there's, you know, the friends and family members of any number of women who have accused me of sexual assault. Uh, you know. Basically, no, basically, no, I can't think of anybody. Stomped on a probably random. Phone it's probably random. Outside the Fontaine Bleu, he might have flown, flown to Ireland. Now, I made some kind of comment on Nate Twitter. Nate Diaz about, you know, doesn't like me. Could have been him. <laughs> how I, how I really hate it when somebody goes after my upscale pub with some petrol bombs. That's just a real bummer. And then Dustin the Poirier reply... said I was up in his wife's DMs. Could have been him. <laughs> The reply from friend of the podcast, Sean Denis. And some, you know, I'm even going to call him an occasional CME correspondent. Yeah. Sean Denis, who he, his reply to me was, quote, both my local pubs have been victims of arson. One was due to a mass brawl and the chef bit off someone's cheek. Another due to barring someone from the establishment. This one sounds tame. Whoever did this sounds like an amateur by Dublin standards. And then I, I asked for a little more information on that chef. <laughs> and he replied, there was some tomfoolery going. That's his word, tomfoolery. And it led to a 30 to 40 person brawl in the pub. During said brawl, the chef got a little carried away and interpreted or, and misinterpreted Dundasso. He bit and tore off the guy's cheek. Guy came back later that night, that night with his torn ass cheek and burnt down the roof of the pub and the shop. The chef emigrated the following day. Wow. Tomfoolery is what we call that apparently in Dublin when we get into a 30 to 40 person brawl that ends with somebody getting their cheek bit and then coming back, presumably with a hole still in their cheek, to set fire to the fucking place. See here, Habib Nurmagomedov, I threw a (laughs) hand truck at him. It could have been that guy. I'm just saying, I don't want to get into any tomfoolery in Dublin if that is how they play, man. Jose Aldo probably still has reason to dislike me. I mean, do you think, like, is it the thing where like you're sitting around being like, oh, man, fuck that guy. You know what? You know what I was thinking we should do? And your friend is like, petrol bomb? You're like, petrol bomb? Yeah, I was just going to say it. Uh, embarrassed Jeremy Stevens in public once. Could have been him. Got a, got a couple petrol bombs in the garage. Let me just go get them. <laughs> Have you seen the Black Forge? Did you see where they did like the drone fly through? Yes. Of I the saw Black that. Forge? That's a sprawling establishment. And you can't even do any damage to it with your petrol bombs. Oh, I'm yeah. I mean, frankly disappointed in these people. You're gonna need a bigger petrol bomb, my friends. Just if we're gonna petrol bomb, let's take it seriously, you know? Number two this week, Ben. Yeah, not much of this sounds like a big Fran is sticking around. The latest comments from Francis Ngannou. I believe this is him talking to uh, Megan O'Leary with the ESPN. This is, I'm looking at the uh, Faraha Noun transcription here at the MMA Junkie. The UFC contract is very tricky. Francis Ngannou said, that's why you sign a 40-month contract and you find yourself after four years still dealing with that, even though you have been active. Contractually, it means that I have executed the eight fights that were on my contract and the championship clause. People don't understand that in the contract. Here's where he says it is optional because it says if at the end of the contract, if you're the champion, you are extended for three fights or for one year. So that all made me think it's optional. I will not fight for 500,000 or 600,000 anymore. I mean, it's over. It's over. I just did this. I took this fight for a personal reason and because I want to make sure that regardless, even if it's unfair, I have been wrongly treated. I can make my case to say I've completed the eight fights, but no, uh, we have, uh, we've been having this boxing discussion for a year and it seemed like they were okay with it. Whatever you're doing, wherever the event is, whether it's boxing, when the UFC is involved, it's just going to make it bigger. That's not questionable. So, yes, I want to box. I would like the UFC to be involved. And then he talks about his meeting with Dana White. He says, it went pretty well. At this point, I'm not upset. I'm just kind of chill about everything. 
I went to him to greet him and we wished each other happy holidays. And I told him my frustration. I expressed to him that I'd like to stay in the UFC, but I don't feel like the UFC wants me to stay. I don't feel like I have a promoter anymore. I won a championship fight. The next thing that was coming my way was a, uh, a way to stand up me off everything. I didn't feel like I was promoted. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I didn't see anything compared to what happens to different fighters. You're not wrong. No, he's not wrong. You're not wrong about that, big Fran. So, uh, I mean, this thing where he says he's not fighting for a half million dollars or $600,000 anymore, that that sounds pretty definitive to me, even though he goes on to say he would love to still remain with the UFC. Like, I look at all of these comments, the sum total of all of these comments, and I think to myself, this guy's not sticking around unless unless we make him a significantly better deal. And I am not sure that the UFC is going to do that at this point in the company's history. I mean, nor should he stick around if that's the best that they can do for him, right? Because if you look, especially if the guy's saying like, hey, I want to go do boxing. Tyson Fury is interested in a boxing match with me. They do big ass numbers over there, man. And he could already do in the UFC some of the numbers that Tyson Fury has done in the past and make just a pittance in comparison in, in guaranteed money. So I don't blame him. The math does not check out, man, for Francis Ngannou to be making, you know, just a guaranteed 500, 600,000 plus his cut of the pay-per-view. Mm-mm. That, that does not add up. I do not blame him for feeling that way about it, nor do I blame him for feeling like the promoter doesn't really act like they want to promote him because what they do after he won the title, they said fight in August. He said, how about September? They said, fuck you. <laughs> Fuck your fucking face. We're going to tell everybody that you were just on vacation, that you were just off globetrotting, couldn't be bothered to defend your title. We're going to make up a new title, but on another guy, well, we kind of bury your ass. Like, of course he feels that way. They have not gotten behind Francis Ngannou, which is crazy because all you need to give him is a little bit of promotional push and the guy could be a superstar, almost like the UFC doesn't want that because they didn't want to be paid like a superstar. He's not wrong about any of this. Francis Ngannou is seeing the situation for what it is. Also, interesting, the difference between his version of seeing Dana White at, at dinner and Dana White's version, where Dana White's like, oh, no, we talked it out at dinner. I think we're good. He's just got some bad representation, man. Bad people in his ear. And Francis is like, hey, we talked, man. We, I, we said happy holidays. I told him I was frustrated. And then we went our separate ways. <laughs> like, doesn't sound like Francis th- felt like we we talked it all out and we're good, you know? Yeah, this doesn't sound like they're very close to me. He convinced uh, me I should just go ahead and, and keep taking this this pittance-ass money. Yeah, it doesn't sound like they're very close to a deal to me. So we will, as I said, 2022, this might be uh, the biggest story we got. Developing story there in the heavyweight division. We'll see what happens in the wake of this uh, Cyril gone fight. Number one this week, Ben, the hottest item on the power ranking, the most powerful happening Daniel Cormier might not like John Jones very much, but maybe he's right about this. I believe that John Jones will fight at heavyweight and he'll fight for the belt, but he'll lose to Cyril Gaon or Francis Ngannou, said Cormier. And I just think that the time away with the weight difference and those guys being who they are, that's the problem. It's not that John Jones has gotten worse. It's just that these guys are a different level of heavyweight. You buying that? You know what? That's... That's a very reasonable assessment by yeah. Daniel Cormier, his own personal history with John Jones aside. And yet I would argue that is what makes it so interesting. And that is why it should have been a thing that the UFC tried to rush to do rather than say, we're not going to do it if we have to pay you even one cent more in order to convince you to do it. Because seeing John Jones fight more light heavyweights at this point, you know, it's like if he wins, defends the title one more time, who cares? You know, beats one more guy who's just a guy, a contender in the ranks, so what? But if he goes up to heavyweight where we're thinking, you know what? I don't think you can do it, man. I think you're going to get your ass kicked by it. That is the selling point. That is what makes it into a fight you can really promote and that you can really hype up and get people excited about and get people to buy. They will pay $75 for that shit. Like, that's the thing you should lean into because it does seem that way. It would seem like, man, if John Jones has to fight Francis Ngannou, he gets his head knocked off his shoulders. A thing that has never happened to John Jones before. And that possibility is what you, the promoter, should be selling us. Yeah, as you said, like the the tantalizing 
thing about the possibility of John Jones going to heavyweight is that he would be in these fights where the first time in a long time, he does not have a tremendous physical advantage. And we have already yeah. seen, you know, when he fought Tiago uh, Silva and then he fought, uh, uh, who's the other guy? You uh, mean Tiago Santos? Tiago Santos and, uh, and Dominic Reyes. And Dominic Reyes, like a mind, like a steel trap for these light heavyweight contenders. Uh, when he fought those two guys, and he, you know, you could see those are big physical guys who hit hard, and even up to a point could negate the physical advantages John Jones had enjoyed when he was fighting smaller light heavyweights a little bit earlier in his career. You could see that started to, to give him trouble. Like that started to make to narrow the gap a little bit, to make those fights more competitive. And so you think about him going up to heavyweight to fight somebody like Francis Ngannou or Cyril Gaon, that's fascinating to me as a as a an athletic proposition that yeah. you know, just the physicality of it to see what John Jones can do when he's not the biggest, strongest guy in the cage, when he has to resort to other things. Like what else? What's his plan B? What else does he have? What 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 else can he game plan? Can he scheme up here in these fights? To me, that would be incredibly uh interesting and I would love to see it. And I kind of think Daniel Cormier might be right, just based on the other evidence that we've seen in those last couple of light heavyweight fights that you go in there against a big strong guy like Francis Ngannou who hits super hard, you might be in some trouble, even if you are the most dominant light heavyweight champion of all time. And a guy who's on the short list for the greatest MMA fighter of all time. I would, you, you'd love to see it as the kids say. And, and that's exactly why it is, would be such a huge fight to, to make. And God damn it. We can't let that shit slip through our fingers. We just can't, can't be the year of the super fight on that one. You know what I mean? <laughs> That is going to do it for Co-Main Event Podcast, Patreon, Power Hour, Power Rankings, and by extension, the Power Hour itself. Thanks to everybody for tuning in to listen. Of course, as we talked about a lot this week, you got the UFC back after a few weeks absence uh, with Calvin Cater and Giga Chikadze in the main event of this Fight Night event. How will the bets play out? Will the big guy, little guy parlay become the new hotness at the beginning. I thought it was. I thought everybody was doing that. That's what I was told. Dominant force. In any case, thanks everybody for listening. As for right now, we're done. <laughs>